Welcome to Day 227 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. I'm Paul Camp, here with Cindy Camp, David Keep, and Matt Kresge. We continue our journey through the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, of course, uh, fit together as a single unit in our Old Testament. Uh, they talk about the rebuilding of Jerusalem. God has told his people, if they were unfaithful, uh, that he would scatter them to the nations. So um, both Israel and Judah have uh, have been scattered, have been conquered. Uh, but Judah is allowed to go back to Jerusalem and is allowed to rebuild. And of course, this is part of the hope that's been prophesied in the Old Testament that Israel would be restored. It's, it's a beleaguered group that uh, moved their way back into the city of Jerusalem. There are very few who have responded. Many have become comfortable in, in Babylon or in Persia, uh, serving under the king of Persia. And a few have come back. They've had to rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls. They've done so under great opposition. And so the temple has been rebuilt and the walls have been rebuilt. And we come to a really nice section of Nehemiah where the, the spiritual vitality of the people is rebuilt. And they discover the law. They read the law. They weep at the distance between themselves and their obedience You know that God has called for. Uh, those who are leading them encourage them not to weep, but to rejoice in the strength of the Lord, and uh, to uh, and, and and you love the beauty of the motion. You you love the depth of their response to sin, the deep mourning, but you also love uh, the beauty of their response to God's grace and the deep joy. Mm-hmm. And we come to the second part of this celebration or this revival or this uh, period of renewal in Israel. Uh, where they do indeed come back and put on sackcloth and ash, and they confess their sin and recount their history. And this is a marvelous uh, kind of summary of what we've covered so far uh, in uh, by the Word, Season 2, the story and the drama of Scripture. So uh, Ezra captures it beautifully for us. So we're in Nehemiah chapter 9, and uh, before we read, uh, Cindy, why don't you lift us up a word of prayer? Sure. <clears throat> Father, we do think about your word, and we do thank you, Father, that when your word is is heard and understood, that it really can and should evoke such deep feelings, both of grief and deep joy, and grief over um, our sin, Father, and all of how we do not um, measure up to the standard, your, your holiness, but great joy because, Father, um, we find in your word the hope that you have given us through Christ and that you have done all this on our behalf. So, Father, be with us now as we look at your word and by your spirit just teach us all that we need to, to learn today and know today and cherish today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 9. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners, they stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors, they stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of a day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord God. Standing on the stairs of the, uh, of the Levites were Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shabaniah, Munai, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kenanai. They cried out with loud voices to the Lord their God, and the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabanei, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, Petathiah, said, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. 
You made the heavens and even the highest heavens and their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, uh, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the lands of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites. You've kept your promise because you are righteous. You saw the sufferings of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent them signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground. But you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud, by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way that they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger you gave them bread from heaven. In their thirst you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore you did not desert them. Even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt, and when they committed awful blasphemies, because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way that they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. You gave them kingdoms and nations, allotting to them the remotest frontiers. They took over uh, the country of Shion, king of Heshbon, and the country of Og, king of Bashan. You made their children as numerous as the stars in the sky, and you brought them into the land that you told their parents to enter and possess. Their children went in and took possession of the land. You subdued them. You subdued before them the Canaanites who lived in the land. You gave the Canaanites into their hands along with their kings and the people of the land to deal with them as they pleased. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possessions of houses uh, filled with all kinds of good things, wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. They were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their back on your law. They killed your prophets who had warned them. In order to turn them back to you, they committed awful blasphemies. So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you from heaven. You heard them, and in your great compassion, you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven. And in your compassion, you delivered them time after time. You warned them in order to turn them back to your law, but they became arrogant and disobeyed your commands. They sinned against you, your ordinances, of which you had said, a person who obeys them will live by them. Stubbornly, they turned their backs on you and became stiff-necked and refused to listen. For many years, you were patient with them, 
By your spirit, you warned them through your prophets. Yet they paid no attention, so you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them. For you are a gracious and a merciful God. Now therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all of this hardship seem trifling in your eyes, the hardship that has come on us, on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. And all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully while we acted wickedly. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, and our ancestors did not follow your law. They did not pay attention to your commands or the statutes you warned them to keep. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them and the spacious and fertile land that you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. But see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so they could eat its fruit and the other good things that it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement and putting it in writing. And our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. And of course, if you read chapter 10, you'll get all of the signatures to this uh, great binding uh, agreement that they mm-hmm. have made. So you have a, a national sense of uh, repentance and returning. Mm-hmm. I, I, you have to like the rhythm you know, that uh, the leaders have introduced here. The uh, first are reveling in the joy of what God has done and His grace and His goodness, and then they come together for this confession. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, can you imagine you know confessing your sins and worshiping God for you know a, a quarter of the day, uh, you know, uh, which has been a strong you know turn in confession. And what a wonderful rehearsal, you know, of Israel's history and in the story thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really should have just read this one passage at the yeah. beginning of the year and just had you meditate on it the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, and read everything in, in background to it. But it's a beautiful mm-hmm. summary, mm-hmm. you know, of the biblical story, beginning with creation and Abraham mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the children of Israel and their captivity and in the wilderness and the Mount Sinai. And then their uh, refusal to go into the land and then going into the land and uh, giving themselves over to the worship of the people and calling out on God and him restoring through the judges. Uh, it's, it's a great history. And uh, well done. All is, all is, no, art, all is art of confession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, everywhere that you've been faithful, and in, mm-hmm. in every opportunity we have been unfaithful. Mm-hmm. No, I, even just recounting this whole story, I love yeah. getting just to see the clarity by which obviously they see who God is and, and what mm-hmm. He's done since creation, and His endless patience and mm-hmm. and grace and mercy to them. That's one beautiful aspect to this, but then also that they are. They see with clarity themselves and their history and their past and their ancestors' sin and and their sin, and not only are they honest about who God is and how He's dealt with them, but also who they are and, and how they've been unfaithful and and what a grace of of God to allow them to to see with clarity who God truly is and how they've responded with to Him over the years. I mean, just the grace of God for that to even. Be visible to them. And, and something, you know, we forget, you know, when we read through Scripture, we read through it, you know, in such you know, rapid fashion uh, that we fail to realize this is hundreds of years, you know, that God has been patient mm-hmm. uh, with them. Mm-hmm. And His patience really has been incredible. Matter of fact, that they pushed the limit so many times far beyond boundaries 
you know, that we could possibly imagine, and yet God is still hanging on to his people, still giving them a foothold in the land, still being gracious to them. And, and of course, you have that beautiful, you know, little phrase that you're slow to anger and mm-hmm. abounding in faithfulness and love, mm-hmm. uh, which is how God revealed himself to Moses, you know, on, on the top of Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. And he has certainly lived up to his, his faithfulness with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that stood out to me. Just, yeah. I mean, it really serves as a model to us is, mm-hmm. you know, they don't just confess and repent and then just focus solely on their, their sin. You know, they, they, they are fully aware of what their sin is, but they rehearse also the story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then the God of that story, as they're thinking about the story, they, they, you know, you get not just thinking about what God did with Moses, but how God also revealed himself mm-hmm. to Moses. And so, you know, they cling to the same God you know, as he's revealed himself to Moses. And now, you know, he's he's with them. And and so they confess their sin, but they find themselves in this greater story. And I think for mm-hmm. us, you know, in light of the gospel and in light of this story, man, this serves as a great model in daily living mm-hmm. and confession and repentance and and faithfulness, just to rehearse the gospel in our own lives, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. how does God reveal Himself to us? And, in and that? something remarkable to us, they also own uh, the sin of those who've gone before them. Yeah. yeah, you know, this is not just me and my generation. This is a we in, in all generations, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, so they put themselves they put themselves in the story, you know, in an appropriate place, you know, in a, in a long list of those mm-hmm. who've. Uh, have been unfaithful. And of course you hear that little tune and no sooner were they at rest than they forgot you. When things go well, we tend to, mm-hmm. you know, walk away from God. When things, you know, start pressing in on us, we become very desperate and very spiritual out, in those yeah. moments and we cry out to him. You know, if only we had the, the sanity to uh, walk mm-hmm. with God in both the good times and the, and the bad times rather than being pressed into desperation. I was trying to see, too, like Matt was pointing out, there is kind of this nice rhythm. I feel like it even took us back to eight where they were the hearing of the word and their Mm -hmm. eyes were open and the understanding that brought about um, this repentance or mourning over their sin, and then there was the worship and the rejoicing. But the question that comes to my mind is, how do you continue in that place? But clearly it's laid out here. You continue to um, look back and you continue to... um, see how great God is. And there is that walking in humility, especially when you compare yourself yeah. to him and to his compassion towards you and for you that just keep you in that humble place of revisiting the gospel story time and time again that keeps you in that yeah. place. Well, you know, part of what we you know, are doing in this you know, podcast, Shaped by the Word, is, is, is remembering the story mm-hmm. uh, and immersing ourselves in the story and expanding our you view of the gospel from a moment in time in which we you know receive you know, Christ. Yeah. Uh, to a part of a grander work of God that he is doing, and mm-hmm. we're reminded of, of both the character of God and the character mm-hmm. of a fallen creation. Right. Uh, so uh, the same thing that's happened to them is what you know, should happen to us. We should uh, continue to return to Scripture, let it reveal us for who we mm-hmm. are, and, and to deeply uh, mourn and, and rejoice you know, over our sins. So drawing near to God is what keeps our hearts sensitive to who he is and to yeah. who we are. Right. And the vehicle he's given us is his word, you know, in his mm-hmm. in his in his spirit. So uh, the tragedy of um, Judah at this point is they had lost the word. I mean, even some of their festivals are going. Oh my goodness, we yeah. should be building, you know, tabernacles and mm-hmm. uh, doing the feast of tabernacles. They had so uh, been so separated from their their story that they had forgotten it. Mm-hmm. And of course, every time we read scripture, it's an act of remembrance. Uh, we come back to 
remember our story to gaze into the beauty uh, of our God and his mm-hmm. ways, to rejoice in his patience and uh, in some instances to be exposed in our in our unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be wicked deeds. It's just we get at rest and we, uh, we forget mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you for the story. We, uh, we like the uh, Israelites, uh, confess our part in the story. We have been the unfaithful covenant partner. How deeply grateful we are that you have given us a faithful covenant partner who is obedient, and his obedience is credited to us by faith, uh, who died the death that we should die, and his death is credited to us by faith, mm-hmm. who, who rose uh, in newness of life, and that life is ours uh, by faith and who will come again and restore all things, and that hope is ours by faith. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.